The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right. Hi, everyone. We have another guest here today, and I'm going to let Dr. Sean Whalen introduce himself. Hey, guys. My name is Sean Whalen. I'm a pediatric dentist. Uh, I live in Denver, Colorado, where I own and operate my private practice and have for the past 17, 18 years. Um, I'm also an adjunct faculty at Denver Health, which is starting a pediatric dental residency program, which starts July 1, we currently have externs, but we're starting a new pediatric dental residency program. Um, I own Smile Oral Healthcare Products, S-M-I-Y-L.com, and I'm the dental director for teledentistry.com. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm from Iowa originally, and I did all my training at the University of Iowa. Okay, cool. So when did you move out to Colorado? So I, I finished residency in 2005, and I've my last day in clinic was on a Friday and I started working on a Monday. So, yeah. Did you um, move just for, I feel like a lot of people want to move to Colorado cause it's like beautiful there. Was that kind of your reasoning or did you have something else that drew you there? No, I mean, 100% weather. I mean, I hate saying that cause I do love the state of Iowa. I love being from there and, and uh, trained there and all that kind of stuff. But um, I came out here a lot as a kid and I knew that I, I just wanted to, be in better weather and have, it sounds so corny, but like live a more active lifestyle type thing, skiing, hiking, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's the place to do it. That's awesome. So I wanted to kind of start more towards earlier in your journey and just ask you about when you knew you wanted to pursue pediatrics. Yeah. So that's a good question, which I've, I've answered a bunch. So I feel like I can pretty much the point on it, but I, I knew from a very young age, I wanted to do something within medicine and I, I knew I wanted to work with kids. Um, so I was definitely that person that like, even in eighth grade, like I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician and fast forward to, I'm like 19 years old. I'm a biology major at Loris college in Dubuque, Iowa. And I went, it was between the summers. I went home to uh, Davenport where I was lived. I were, was raised and I shadowed the, a pediatrician in town where I went, I went to grade school with his kids. And I think, and this is really important for dentistry and, and medicine, or even, I mean, if you want to be a lawyer or engineer, or whatever, like I had an idea of what I thought it was. And then when I went and actually shadowed, I was like, wow, that's totally different. Like he's not doing any procedures. It's a lot of strep throat, well, baby checks, physicals, um, ear infections. So it was a lot of, uh, cerebral, I don't want to say, you know, it was, it was a lot more just, you know, talking, analyzing and diagnosing, which was, which is fine. And it's super important. I think being a, pedi- a pediatrician is super hard. It's just, I, I tend to have a little bit of ADHD and I like to work with my hands and my dad, um, 
so I was, I was just, was discouraged. I was like, oh man, I don't know if that's what I want to do. So my dad's um, college roommate is a guy named Denny McTeague, and he was the head of pediatric dentistry or one of the professors at Ohio State. And he set up a time for me to shadow him. So I drove out to Ohio State from Iowa. And within like five minutes of watching him, I knew that's what I wanted to do because he was, you know, up and moving around all the time, doing multiple procedures and um, things that were quick and you could see results quickly. So for someone like me who has a little bit of, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little jumpy. Uh, and I like kids and I have a lot of energy. I thought it was a good fit. And so, yeah, that's how, it, how I got into it. And I've always had that gene in me too. Like I always say to the dental students, I'm like, cause they always ask me like, you know, how did you know you wanted to be a pediatric dentist? I'm like, well, how do you know you want to be one? And then I just tell them, I'm like, you know, if a, a three-year-old walks into a room and you don't want to pick them up and just give them a big squeeze then you shouldn't do it. Like you have to have that natural like affinity to like want to talk to and play with kids and, and connect with them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's good. It's impressive that you figured that out so early on. I think a lot of people, especially for specialties in dentistry, they don't know until maybe they're on rotation during dental school. And sometimes that makes it a little bit rushed to try to get those applications and everything together at that point. Yeah. And I, you know, I def from day one of dental school, I mean, I was laser focused. I didn't, and not laser focused, like competitive laser focus, but I like, I wanted to be a pediatric dentist from day one. Um, I've listened to some of your podcasts and kids talking about like going, I think you were talking about going through a competency on a, like you were surveying an RPD or something. Yeah. And it reminded me, I was a, I was a senior in dental school and one of the professors, Dr. Pollock and Pross was like, I was surveying a cast for an RPD and she's like, Sean, you know, you're gonna have to do this in a couple months. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm going to pedo. And, uh, so she grabbed it and did it for me. It was funny, but it just reminded me of that. But yeah, my, not that I dislike any part of dentistry, but I always knew I wanted to work with kids. So I guess for people listening, if they aren't maybe sure of peds or not, what are some ways that your work differs from a general dentist? I'm searching for like, in my mind, it doesn't search. It doesn't, it's not a ton different because anything, you know, you're trying to maintain the same level of care and, and quality of work, even though a lot of times you're not working on permanent teeth. I think it's a little faster pace. And I think you have to be, you have to be really in tune with the behavior management part of it and really dedicated to like, it's never a kid's fault. And what I mean by that is adults don't really have the right to be a pain in the ass, right? When they're a patient, like if they're a pain in the ass, that's on them. Well, if a kid's a pain in the ass, like you never know what's going on with them socially or at home or developmentally or, or whatever. Like you have to be really calm and you have to understand, like, it's not the kid's fault. Like it's my job to get them through this. So, I mean, I think that's the, the biggest difference. I mean, obviously there's, you know, growth and development. You do more hospital dentistry than you would as a general dentist, but and some of the procedures are not as technique sensitive. Um, some of them are, but by and large, it's more like being on the same level as your patient or the child in this case. And, and knowing that not everything is just because they're being a, a pain in the ass, you have to have the ability to separate and be like, well, this isn't this kid's fault. It's my job to get them through it. Yeah. And I feel like you mentioned the shadowing you did even in undergrad. And then I talked about rotations. Are there other ways that you recommend students kind of figure out if pediatrics is right for them? 
I mean, I think the shadowing is the number one thing. And if you have an inkling that pediatrics is for you, I mean, I would look at it from a broad, a wide lens and be like, okay, do I play with my nieces and nephews? Am I drawn to coaching youth sports? Do I love it when one of my friends has a kid and I want to hold their baby? Do, I mean, that sounds, all sounds kind of weird, but like, are you drawn to being around kids? Like if you go to a party, are you the one who's like sitting at the kid table? Um, that kind of thing. Like you're either drawn to it or you're not. Um, and it's one of those things like in dentistry is the same way, whether you do general or you do an endo or oral surgery or whatever, like you will burn out if you don't love it. And kids will burn you out really fast. Um, if you don't love them and you don't consider yourself lucky to let someone trust you with their kids every day. So, yeah, I think you just have to look at your life in general. Like if you want to do pedo, like, is that, is that your life? Like, are you around kids a lot? Do you try to put yourself in situations where you're helping kids in an, in or outside of dentistry or in your daily life? Like, did you tutor kids or, or whatever? Like how much actual contact time have you had with kids? And, and can you mentally tolerate that? Not even, I don't want to say tolerate that makes it sound like it's arduous, but um, you know, is it, it's something that you feel like you'll be miserable if you don't do it. Like, would you be miserable doing, like, I would be miserable doing dentures all day. Mm -hmm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I think it's important, like you said, to just like be more aware of your own personality and your own interests because you're going to be entering into this profession that you're going to be doing day in and day out. So you hope you would at least enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. And, it, and if you find the right place in dentistry and you find the right coworkers in the right environment, like it is really fun. Like it is. And I, I mean, I hope there's a lot of dental students listening to this and like, I really have zero complaints. I, I love being a dentist. I I love being a pediatric dentist. I love owning a practice. I love teaching. I love going to work every day. Um, I don't have that negative perspective on it, which unfortunately, whether it's in medicine or dentistry or any profession, a lot of people do. Um, so th there is a way to make it really enjoyable and fun. You just have to position yourself correctly initially. Um, and from what I see with students, currently is they tend to be a little tentative in what they want to pick. And that's hard for me to relate to because I was kind of, I kind of knew what I wanted to do early. Um, but, you know, like I'll have, I'll have dental students be like, I think I might want to do endo or pedo. And I'm like, then you don't know what you want to do. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, cause those things are so different. I, I feel like sometimes kids are lost and they feel like they have, that's the other thing is I feel like some kids feel like they have to specialize and that's not the case either. Like you can, you can have a great, career and a ton of fun and take care of a lot of people and help a lot of people being a general dentist as well. Like um, not as many kids specialized when I was in dental school, as opposed to now, I feel like everybody, not everybody, but a lot of kids do just because they feel like they have to. Mm -hmm. And I guess on that topic of general dentistry compared to specializing, I know it wasn't your situation, but do you 
teach or interact with anyone that worked as a general dentist before deciding they wanted to apply to residency or kind of as an intermediate just to make sure? Yeah, I have tons of colleagues that um, had tons of students who um, did general dentistry for a couple of years and then decided to do a specialty because they were a little bit unsure. Um, and I think that's great if that's in it, some of the times it depends on financial things or personal things like a marriage or a dating someone a year behind them or above them or whatever. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And everyone's got a little bit of a different path and I don't think it's the right or the wrong way for me personally. I was definitely that person. Like I, I was not a guy that could do a gap year between college and dental school or once I started, once I started going down a path, I got to finish it type of thing. Um, like if I would have left dental school and became a general dentist, I would have just been a general dentist. I don't think I would have, had the courage or the whatever to go back to school, not courage, but like, what's like, once I get going on something, it's hard for me to get out of it. I should say. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Do you have any tips for residency applications or interviews if people are applying to PEDS? Yeah. So I do, I was on the admissions committee for five years and then I'm on the admission. I'm obviously one on the admissions committee here at Denver health. And I think being authentic is probably the number one thing like we read the essays and stuff and we make sure that your numbers are competitive and all that stuff. But the interview process, whether, you know, during times of COVID um, coming through authentic and real is probably one of the things we put the most weight on. Cause we, we want to make sure it's going to be a good fit from a personality personality standpoint. And I want to be able to visualize you working with kids and seeing the patients that are, in our clinic. Um, so, I mean, I think trying to be really authentic is important. I think kids who force it and fake it and it, it you comes across because part of dentistry is learning how to read people. Um, so if you've been a dentist for a long time, you know, you tend to be pretty good at reading people and you can kind of tell if someone's not being straight with you or trying to overplay their hand a little bit. Um, really, we just want people that are authentic that really want to be here. And that comes across, I believe, in an interview. So would you say kind of the statistics and experiences are what get you the interview, but then once you're at the interview, it's really just about the genuine interest in pediatrics? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, so just to give you an example, um, there's a lot of emphasis put on kids to like volunteer and stuff. Um, and even at the high school level for college and, you know, you need to do all these different things. Well, I almost have like a reverse look at it. Like if I look at an application and they've got like 50 different things that they volunteered for, I think to myself, like, I'm like, they're trying to overcompensate. And that kind of turns me off on an applicant, not that they shouldn't be volunteering. And maybe they are that unicorn. That's just like that devoted to helping people and that devoted, but it, it looks like resume building to me um, when I see it. So um I think it's important to do things outside of school and and have experiences and work and volunteer. But if you overdo it, it looks like you're just doing it to check a box. Yeah. That's very similar to what I tell a lot of pre-dental students applying to dental school. Like there's not one set list of things you can do. That's going to guarantee that you're into the program. Like you need to be involved in the things you're actually passionate about and spend your time that way. Yeah. And it's not a knock against them because they've been trained that way ever since they were in high school, you know, 
like you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And then they feel, I think somewhat insecure about it. So they, anytime someone tells them to do something, they feel like they have to do it. So. I also want to talk a little bit about your teaching. What Mm -hmm. point of moving to Colorado did you get involved in teaching and how's your experience been? So I, I taught a little bit on and off and I've always given lectures at like dental meetings and stuff from the, from the start. Um, so we have the Rocky Mountain Dental Convention in Colorado um, in the first couple months of the year, every year. So I've taught at that. And then I did a little bit at CU and then I taught, I would fly back to Iowa and give lectures here and there. And then I started volunteering here at Denver health about five or six years ago. And then it's kind of spun into, we had some pediatric uh, dental interns, it's like a GPR, but pediatric focused. And then it kind of developed into starting a residency program, which was supposed to start a year ago, but because of COVID and getting a, a credentials and get everything done, getting everything done, it got pushed a year. So I do more of it in the last two to three years than I've ever done. Um, so it took me a while to even have the confidence. I mean, cause even 17, 18 years in, I feel like I still screw up. And it's hard to teach somebody when you first get out because you don't even know what you don't know. And so for people who think they wanted to get into teaching, I encourage them. We need more people educating people. That's really, really important, but it's, it's good to have a mixture of both, um, you know, your scholastic training or your dental school training and then real life experience to fall back on and be like, yeah, I've, I've seen a bunch of stuff. So I know, how to help the kids mitigate those problems or help work them through it. So really I did most, I haven't done much teaching up until the last probably, you know, three or four years outside of just lecturing. Mm-hmm. And did you, since you were interested in children, did you know when you were pursuing dentistry that you'd be interested in teaching at like this doctorate level, or did that kind of come up as you were going through working as a dentist? Uh, I think it kind of came up. I think if you look back, if I looked back on it, um, I think all my professors at Iowa would, because I always was kind of geeked out about, like I get excited about being a dentist and I get excited about seeing stuff. and I like to work um, and I like to, I get excited about seeing cool cases and kids and collaborating. So I think anyone who trained me would have been like, oh, he'll eventually teach for sure. Um, just because I like it, you know, energizes me. And I like being around young people and I'm 45 and, you know, it's kind of on the wrong side of 40. And I mean, the young, younger people, you guys really are, it's very energizing to be around you guys. So it's more of a selfish practice than anything else. It's just, it's, it's fun. And it gives me a lot of energy. And you mentioned in your intro that you own your practice, you teach, but you also have a few other kind of jobs that you manage. When did you start those and why? Um, I think just the, I mean, the why is I just like to be busy and I, I have a hard time saying no to opportunities. Um, you know, so my wife's always like, when are you going to say no? I'm like, well, I don't know when people are going to stop asking me. So I get a little, you know, as you get older, you get a little nervous that people quit asking you to do things. Um, so that's probably the why. Um, so it gets me excited and I want to make sure, you know, it validates my own self-worth, I guess, a little bit um, on a selfish standpoint. But 
um, one of my dental school colleagues came to me with an idea to start our like little company smile S M I Y L um, years ago. And, you know, it was just a fun thing I could do to keep in contact with him. And then it kind of helped me learn how to do something totally different outside of clinical dentistry, like bringing a product to market and packaging and production and um, marketing, selling fulfillment, all that stuff. So that was anything new that's kind of related to dentistry. I get really excited about. So there was that. Um, and then uh, another friend started teledentistry.com and kind of brought me into the fold as COVID started. And that kind of started to ramp up and uh, I got to help with the, the development of a newer technology or a new way of looking at of triaging emergencies via video chat during a time in the middle of a pandemic that it was needed. And uh, that just kind of flourished into the dental dental director role. And I've got to learn about, you know, a dental tech company and advertising and utilization insurance contracts and that kind of thing. Um, So I I guess, you know, to go back to the why, I didn't know if I explained that really well. I don't know why I say yes to it, but, you know, none of them are like huge money windfalls. It's just more of just keeping my mind engaged and learning things that are related to dentistry, but outside of clinical practice kind of keeps me motivated. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, I think I'm going to be the same way. I just like having different projects to work on and everything. It definitely keeps you stimulated and makes life, I feel like, feeling like you have like more of a purpose, like in different avenues, just makes you feel more fulfilled. Yeah, and then you get to meet new people and mm-hmm. you know I mean, it's just like me asking you to be on your show too like I just I love connecting with people and you never know when you're going to learn something or if you know if I see you 10 years from now and like maybe we'll collaborate on something and I I, I like being around those kind of people that have new ideas and, and, and want to start new things and there's an adrenaline rush from the risk of it too and um, not that clinical practice is boring by any stretch but it, it is nice to to do different things that keeps you engaged on your toes. And that's kind of what I was talking to you before we started recording is I think for your generation, there's just so many new opportunities within and outside of the profession of clinical dentistry that it's an exciting time for you guys. And I know you, there's so much stress around your, your debt load and owning practices and all that stuff, but there, there, as things get bad in one area, other opportunities will open in others. And I think um, just like you've started this podcast and there, there's, there's different ways to accomplish different things. Um, and as, as much of an uphill battle as that it seems for you guys, I think you guys have a lot of opportunity uh, moving forward if you want them. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I'm still curious about your journey into ownership as well. So I want to talk about that. Did you, you graduated, you moved right to Colorado after residency to start working at what point did you purchase a practice or did you start up? How did that work? Yeah. So the same person who got me into dentistry, Denny McTeague, um, his good friend, uh, Elizabeth Barr, uh, was a pediatric dentist out here with her sister, Nell Barr. And 
he's like, you know, I, I think this would be a good fit for you. And um, Betty was the, or Elizabeth, Dr. Betty was the first female president of the um, AAPD and very active in organized dentistry, which is one thing I've done a little bit of, but I, I don't really have the personality for it. Um, but she was a leader in the profession is my point, her and her sister. And he thought it'd be a good place for me. So I, um, I got done with the clinic on like a Thursday night. I drove through the night out here and I literally knocked on doors at practices, like 12 to 20 practices. And I, theirs was one that I obviously knocked on the door and, um, and I literally had my resume in my hand. I'm just, um, I wouldn't say I asked them for a job, but I was just telling them I was interested in the opportunity. I left. They called me a couple of days later, offered me a job. I didn't even ask what they were going to pay because um, I just felt good about it, which not recommending anyone do that. But um, And then I bought into the practice six months in. So I was very, I wouldn't say focused on buying a practice or buying into one, but I wanted, I always thought I wanted to work for myself. So six months into it, I bought it and Betty retired about six or seven years ago. And then I still own the practice with her sister. And then we have another Dennis Grace deal that um, we own the practice together. So how do you like that like group practice, like partnership model? For me personally, it's awesome because it allows me to do all these other things. So I don't have to physically be there all the time. Um, and it's also nice. We share patients, which I think is a little bit harder to do in general dentistry, but with kids, you know, it's nice to, there's times when I sit down and I, let's say I do a quadrant of dentistry and I'm like, oh man, that was awesome. I did such a good job. And then they come back for recall six months, a year later. And my partner will be like, Hey, this looks terrible. <laughs> so, you know, it's nice to have other people critiquing your work. And uh, if you work by yourself, I always thought like, I'm just going to think everything's awesome because I'm going to have no one judging me. So it's nice to have people kind of holding you accountable and, uh, and watching your work and having your back and covering emergencies and working together. I think it makes all of us a little bit stronger. To add on to that, do you have any advice for like balancing the teamwork dynamic and like leadership when you're in a partnership situation? It's tough because everybody's personalities kind of rise to the surface. It's kind of like applying to a residency and like trying to fake it. Um, you know, like my partner, Nell's kind of the stern kind of rule one. And I'm kind of the energy, um, lift everybody up kind of like, I would say I'm an outlet, not a plug, meaning like I try to give people a lot of energy and keep it super positive and like move on to the next thing. And nothing's going to get, get us too down and try to keep it really positive. And then, uh, Dr. Dealer Grace, um, is kind of the level headed one. So, I mean, everyone's got their strengths and you kind of have to let them use their strengths to enhance the practice as much as possible and not try not to keep score. Like if someone's better at doing the schedule, let them do the schedule, you know, don't let them, don't feel like you have to, everyone's got to do a little bit of everything, like let their, their strengths focus in on the things that they're good at and don't try to micromanage everything. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but no, that was great. I appreciate all your tips with it. Cause I obviously have ideals maybe when I'm entering into working, but I'm open to all different kinds of opportunities. So I like to get people's perspectives and advice when it comes to different practice styles. 
Yeah, the number one thing I would, number one advice I would give is, you know, you have to feel like there's no spreadsheet or anything that's going to tell you that you're going to feel comfortable with somebody. I was listening to one of your podcasts and there were two dentists on it and they were, they were talking about numbers anyway. And it's not that that stuff's not important, but the money kind of works itself out. If philosophically you get along and you support each other and you genuinely want to help one another um, as partners. So the money will usually work itself out. Like I've never had an argument about money with any of my partners and we just split the money. We don't even track production. Um, Cause we all know that we do different things to make it the whole thing. Great. And just because someone does more MOs than somebody else doesn't mean that they deserve more money. Um, but yeah, I, I think for you guys coming out of school, like not that you shouldn't worry and focus on money, but you, you'd need to feel really comfortable with the person first. Like if you take more money to go with somebody that you don't feel great about, I think, you know, I just had this with a student where she could have went and worked for corporate, but she was really excited to work with this other person, but it was less money. And I'm like, if you're going to feel good every day and, and not feel like you're just selling yourself out for a couple extra hundred dollars a day. I'm like, you probably should do that. And the money may work out to be better in the long term, and your mental health is going to be better. So you have to feel like your partner has your, your back financially and emotionally all the time. Yeah, that's a really great point and perspective to bring up because, of course, you could compare maybe some of the technical details between different practices or job opportunities, but it's those intangible things and the values and the connections and personalities that make you want to or not want to show up to work. And I mean, that can even be a difference in how much money you're making and producing if you hate being there and aren't maybe in the best mood or working as hard. So it might end up not even working out the way people expect it to. Yeah. And I I think you need to be with people that you can be open and honest with me. Like, man, I'm having a really hard day. I got some other things going on. Like I might like I've literally said like that morning, I'll be like, guys, you know, I'm a, I'm a little off today. I just, I'm, you guys are going to pick me up and you need to feel confident, not guilty that you need someone to help you. And you got to feel confident that they are going to help you and they got your back and that all that stuff's way more important to me than the bottom line. And I do, like you just said, like for whatever reason, the bottom line just kind of works itself out. Um, and that's not to say you can't, you don't need to watch your overhead and all that stuff. I'm not saying that, but emotionally, if you're on the same page as you're and philosophically, as far as the dentistry and the care you're going to provide with your partners, like the money stuff gets way easier. Um, the, those other things, you know, the relationship you build with your partners and the, the, your peers is that's harder to, to quantify, but it's in my opinion, way more important. Yeah. And that made me think of something with, so that's like very prevalent in dentistry is the mental health problems. you've obviously been working for a while. Do you have any advice for the new dentist, dental students listening as they go throughout their careers with that? Yeah. I mean, I, the best advice I ever got was from uh, Mike Canellas. He was my program director at Iowa. He's now the Dean of students, I believe. And he would be like, he would always say, Sean, and I admittedly, I'm a really high energy person and I can be, you know, I can definitely drive people nuts. Um, but he's like, you know, you're going to make your money and you're going to help people one tooth at a time. And so I think, you know, new, a new, my perspective of a new dental student coming out is they're like, well, I'm $400,000 in the hole. 
I don't own a reliable car. I don't own a house. I got to like, I got to get out of this. I got to dig myself out. So they get themselves into situations where they make a little, a little more money initially, but then there's not as much upside later and they're in a place that they don't love. Um, but you know, all you can do is focus and be present at the task at hand and the patient that you're seeing at that moment. If you're constantly just trying to, you know, kick the can down the road and just, you can't focus on the moment. I think that's what gives people a ton of anxiety and they get depressed and they feel like there's just no way out of it. And they're just unhappy and they're not making the kind of money that they think they should, or they don't like the people they're working with. They're not in the kind of practice. They don't live in the right spot. You know, just at all steam, it all steamrolls. And so I would, t- I would tell people, you know, it's just one tooth at a time. Don't, don't overthink it. That's a good, good little mantra for people to carry with them. I like it. Yeah. I mean, he told me that I literally think of that every day. <laughs> one tooth at a time, Sean, one tooth at a time. That's awesome. See the educators, they make such a difference in people's lives that you don't always think to go back and tell like for me, like a college professor or something, I try to be good about that. I've sent people a couple emails now that I'm in dental school, just saying like, this is where I'm at now. Like, thank you so much for X, Y, Z in the past. And hopefully it makes their day a little bit. Cause I think educators make such a difference and don't always get the recognition because the students move on, you know, to their next thing. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I make a conscious effort. Like I'm a huge supporter of the university of Iowa. Like I, I, I would say I would be nowhere without the university of Iowa college dentistry. And I still reach out to my professors and I have relationships with them. Um, I still prank them. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who graduate from dental school who hate the institution they came from. And that always just kind of makes me sad. Um, so I, yeah, I think what you just said is important, like realizing don't focus, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, but like, don't focus on all the things that you hated. Focus on like the people that made your life better and helped you learn how to take better care of people and the little tricks and nuances to make your life better as a dentist every day. Um, but I have nothing but positive things when I look back at, at the University of Iowa. And I know there were things at the time that I bitched about, like, again, I'm old, they forced us to buy laptops and they were crap and everyone complained about it. I could choose to like, let that be the narrative when I was in dental school. Like when I was in dental school, they made us buy laptops and they were crap, but they were trying. And, you know, in general, I had a really positive experience. So. Yeah, that's a great attitude to have. I I try to be similar as well. There's always things you can nitpick and no school's perfect, but you have to be appreciative for what opportunities you have and kind of make the most of them. And that actually segues nicely into the last thing I wanted to talk about with you. And we were talking about it kind of before we started the recording, but just like maximizing the opportunities that students have. Is there any other advice you want to give to dental students as they're going through those four years? Yeah, I mean, I think you had mentioned like you're part of a bunch of different organizations. Like, so you're part of, you do ASDA and you're part of the women in dentistry group and you're, you're, and you're involved in a bunch of organizations, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I think, especially before your life gets too crazy and you're not managing a practice and a family and that kind of thing, um, saying yes to a lot of different things to, to get experiences, meet people in different avenues, learn how legislative things work um, is, is really important. And, I was just on a phone call with the guy that I started smile with yesterday. His name's Todd Gray. He's a pediatric dentist in uh, Reno, Nevada. 
and um, we went to school together, but him and I talk a, a lot about people are always like, well, how did you get that opportunity? And Todd and I was like, well, it didn't happen overnight. Like we said yes and helped people and consulted for free for years and never really worried about what we were getting paid. And then it, you know, just kind of, you end up gaining all this experience. Then all of a sudden someone offers you a, big, a bigger, better opportunity that you do get compensated for. So I wouldn't look at things as like, what are they going to give me? I always think about, man, what am I going to get out of this? This is going to be really cool. I'm going to meet these people. I'm going to learn these systems um, and see a different side of it. So I never really think about the compensation. Um, and then sometimes the compensation comes later and sometimes it doesn't, but I don't have any bitterness about it. So I think being open to new opportunities and looking at things differently um, is super important. And I think sometimes when people get in a rut, they just, they kind of close themselves off from the world. And as a student, you should always be open to learning and seeing, doing different things. And I don't know, that's, that's my, my advice is just to be open and maximize every opportunity you get. Like I've got to lobby, I've gotten to testify in malpractice cases against yeah, uh, you know, big, huge companies that were hurting kids. And I have a toothpaste company and I do all this stuff but only because I was open to doing them instead of just saying like, Oh, that's stupid. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway. No, that's great. And I don't know if that would cover what you'd want to say for the closing thoughts or final advice for dental students. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Um, just that you have all this opportunity at your fingertips and um, take advantage of it and get excited about being really good at your job. One way to, you know, people always tell kids do what you love. And I would argue like get really good at something and then you'll love it. So embrace the opportunity and, you know, be honored that you have a skill set that can help people um, and, and, and work really hard. And you'll, you'll love going to work every day. Cause you, if you get good at it, but being good at it doesn't mean you're perfect. I and mean, I, again, I still screw up all the time, but work hard to get good at it and you'll, you'll enjoy it. And it's a, it's, in my view, it's a great profession and it's a ton of fun. Thank you for that. And thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. I can tell that you're obviously very passionate about dentistry. You're passionate about educating incoming future dentists. And is there a good way for people to reach out to you if they do have any questions about anything you mentioned today? Yeah, um, you can. So my office website is um, ddschild.com. You can call the office anytime, or you can email me at um, Sean Whalen DDS at gmail.com. Um, and my name is S E A N W H A L E N D D S at Gmail. And then you can direct message me on Instagram. Um, and it's children's dentistry, Colorado. And for a 45 year old man, I'm very proud. I almost have 7,000 Instagram followers for our <laughs> office and I do manage it. There's no company that does. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. It was really great getting to connect with you and you had such great perspectives to bring. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. And any students that are interested in the Denver Health Residency Program, please, please, please reach out to me. Yes, definitely.